Welcome to Writing Works Wonders, Advancing Beyond Barriers, where we celebrate skills building and community among authors as they're reaching through barriers in an interactive podcast series. Your co-hosts are Cheryl McNeil Fisher and Dr. Kathy King. And I'm Dr. Kathy King, an author, editor, coach, and workshop leader. I've been a professor of adult learning and instructional technology for 25 plus years. And in retirement, I'm enjoying consulting and writing. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I've been speaking internationally for over 25 years to audiences of all ages on living with and working through challenges. I'm the author of seven early chapter children's books and just finished a memoir with a 95-year young lady. What a fabulous experience writing with and for someone to finish this project. I look forward to doing it with others in the future. I have two series with new releases coming out soon and many works in progress. Thank you again for joining us on Writing Works Wonders. Hi everyone, welcome to Writing Works Wonders. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher and today we are on part two of character development. If you weren't here last week, that's quite all right. Go back and Listen to our recorded podcasts and as well as the, the show notes that include links to the references and to our websites where you can contact us. I want to take a moment just to thank you. Thank Debbie Hazelton for being here and hosting on Zoom. Thank you, Debbie. We're so glad you're here with us. And also, I want to announce to those of you who weren't here that I will be co-hosting with Dr. Kathy King on Writing Works Wonders workshops. I'm so excited. She is retired from Fordham University as an adult education professor. She has written many books and manuals, and she has an extensive background. I, I encourage you to go to her website and learn more about her. So, Kathy, I'm excited. Let's get started. Hi, Cheryl. It's great to be here, and I'm so thrilled that we've gathered together. Uh, I know we have several people with us, and we'll be having more join us, I'm sure, as we go along in the hour. Um, but let's get started and talk about, um, continue to talk about character development. I have some fun things scheduled, so buckle up. It's going to be an interesting exploration here. One of the things I thought we'd start with is talking about character arcs. Um, what is a character arc? Well, when you think about the changes that have happened in your life, many things happen as a youngster, a teen, young adult, midlife, even mature adults. We'll call some of us mature adults. Things happen and change and transform us. And those are the things that make our characters interesting. Well, a character arc is tracing those developments and changes through your story. And it might be through a short story, through a chapter, etc. So I want you to think about what changes have your characters made in the course of your story? And what will your proposed character do? Maybe the character you're working now on or the one in the future? We know these are the things that make our characters real and exciting and vivid. 
So how do we handle these? What are the conflicts? What are the changes their experiences? Are they dramatic? Are they gradual? We have to unfold those in the stories that we're accounting. And part of the excitement of reading or listening to audiobooks is seeing how our characters navigate these barriers, um, struggles, events, things that they encounter, and the development within themselves in the process. So we have to keep the, mo the story moving as this character arc develops. Now, some of you might not have thought of it as a character arc in the past, but that is what you're doing. And if you think about the books that you've read in the past, that's what they've done with their different characters in the story. I've been reading a series about um, Irish Country Doctor, which is just fabulous. And I'm going to use that for a few examples today because um, Patrick Taylor is very skillful at um, painting his characters vividly for us. So for our first sprint, this one is just going to be two minutes. And what I want you to do is select a character of someone you're either developing or working with or someone you've read. Think we about to jot down some notes. You're not going to be writing in full prose at this point. Just dot some notes down about your character and the character arc, what might be happening with your character along the course of a chapter or the story. This might be a person. Um, one of our colleagues just was talking about before the show, she's writing a short piece about a guide dog. So it could be the guide dog's development. Whatever the character is you're working on or you've read about, jot down some notes so that we can come back and discuss character arcs in just a few minutes, okay? So we're gonna have a two minute timer and jot down some notes about your character and what are the characteristics, what are the things going on in their life that would make up a character arc? Okay, who would like to share some of the things that are happening with their characters? So to raise your hand, it's Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on the Mac, and Star-None on your uh, regular phone, and under More on the iPhone, raised hand. And I hear Diana. Yes, indeed. Hey, Diana. Well, I just made a column um, with characteristics of the character I'm working with. Um, and as, as you said earlier, she's a guide dog. She's small. She's energetic. She's playful. She's proud. She's concerned. She's confused. So that's the, the elements I want to express in my piece about this little black lab who is a guide dog. And what is the challenge that she's going to face during this short piece that you're writing? Do you know? It's, um, she's a guide dog, but she's mm -hmm. not given an, a lot of opportunity to um, demonstrate her training as a professional mobility assistant. So she's trying to find other ways she can help her person. And she's very concerned that 
her handler may have mental health issues, that she may have hostility towards others because she wears a muzzle when they go out walking. And she wonders if her her owner is, is worried she might bite people otherwise. <laughs> and she's concerned that um, her her handler doesn't meet with friends anymore, doesn't socialize. If people approach them as they're walking, she will make the little guide dog take her off the sidewalk into the grass and make a big circle around um, so as not to come too close to the people. And she just isn't going out and, and doing the things that she did before. So Excellent. You, you've really painted some of the, the challenges that the guide dog is going to have to navigate in this story. Excellent. Thank you, Deanna. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Deanna. Any other raised hands? So far, so far there are none. Okay, thanks, Debbie. Mm -hmm. I'm working on um, a character. This is Kathy. I'm working on a character um, for a science fiction story that I would like to write. And her name is Star, S-T-A-R-R. And of course, um, she's a scientist with low vision and physical disabilities, because that's me. So I can talk to that well. And we're underrepresented in this literature. Yes. And the three arcs that I see her having to um, face and resolve across the story include how to um, help people understand how to interact with her and people with these impairments, and then also learn how to cope with her own inner barriers, while also the third one, achieving her professional goals. And so those are the things that I'm going to have to thread through the story that I'm writing and continue to move the character through those challenges. Okay. And we do. A, an, oh, go ahead. Mary I'll Carla. share mine after. Yeah, go ahead. And Carla, I don't know if you want to be here as Mary Carla. That's what it says. So. Um, I go by Carla, but okay. my, my legal name is on. Okay. Zoom. All right. Well, this is the first hi, time. Hi, Carla. I've done this. Hello. And I usually am working, um, you know, I mean, and not available at this time, but I wanted to attend so badly. And I'm today I had this time slot free. But anyhow, I have been working on this short story called Through the Crawl Space. Mm. And um so I, I uh, my main character, she is also um, blind. She has a little bit of vision. She's in the process of losing what's left, sort of, and she's sort of me, but she's cleaning and she picks up this um, China figurine. It's a statue of a woman that looks like her. Um, she doesn't really, she's not aware of that yet, but it looks like her. But when she picks it up, there's a, a broken piece that has somehow gotten inside the statue and it rattles. And she's thinking to herself, there's something inside of me that's broken. Can it ever be fixed? And um, the story is going to um, lead her through some events. And I'm, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but um, lead her through some events that are going to help to make her whole again. And the statue becomes sort of a symbol of this with the broken piece. And I don't know how far you want me to go because I know where this story is sort of going. Um, but I have that's excellent. That's fabulous. You you have totally depicted what we're talking about with the character arcs. Mm 
and also um, introduce something else that we're going to be talking about. Thank you so much, Carla. You're quite welcome. I won't go any further if you don't want me to, because there would be a spoiler alert. But anyhow, I'm <laughs> <on> with that. <clears throat> Thanks, Carla. Any other hands that want to go up? Oh, Calvin. Calvin Thompson. Hi. Hi, Calvin. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so I, I have a character uh, which is named Alan Thomas from Calvin Thompson. I guess you can figure that out. But um, so he he's 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 thirty nine years old. Um, he has he he he's totally blind and he has a hearing disability. And he works at, at the beginning of the story. He works at a uh, workshop for blind and visually impaired people. Uh, but then the pandemic happens. And so, you, you know, he's he's trying to figure out, I mean, because he, he doesn't really like the job. He's been trying to figure out how to get out of the job for years, but, you know, it, 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 it pays the bills and stuff like that, and it's an easy job, so he's staying there. Plus, he doesn't really know, like, what else he can do, but the pandemic happens, and his wife is like, you got to leave that job. And he's like, what else am I going to do? She's like, I, I don't know, but we're going to have to figure something else out. You can't keep going there. And that's and, and that's kind of where I am right now with the story. Excellent. So the challenge he has is um, transitioning his career, his occupation and livelihood and yep. trying to reinvent himself. Yep. And, 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 and right when he's getting ready to turn 40. So, you know, there, there there's like a lot of. There you go. On there. Excellent. So you're going to also be dealing with midlife issues that adults face. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Good. You've, you've painted that very well. That, that should have plenty for you to work with. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So uh, the next area that I want to explore is talking about character traits. And as you think about the characters that you write, the different people that you create, or dogs, in the case of some of our friends here, are there certain ones maybe that you find you need to always include? So I mentioned the author Patrick Taylor. In this book, these books I've been listening to, it's a series. He is so clear about the mannerisms of his characters. They have unique vocabulary. Some of them use the same phrases consistently. It's predictable. If I hear just a snippet of dialogue, I know which character that is. It's, it's fantastic. He's a real master at this. What do you find is necessary to make your characters come alive to your readers? What traits do you think are really important? You know, you made me think about my series with the Cindy and Sammy guide dogs. And the third, the fourth one is, goes into um, history, mystery and sin in Philadelphia with Sammy and friends, Cindy, Sammy and friends. So it went, you know, that um, in the beginning it was Cindy and Sammy and it went from training and how, when I think about how those characters, but it, the main characteristic, you could always tell Sammy's talking while the book is being talked by Sammy, but Sammy always looks for treats. He loves <laughs> treats. He loves Cindy. He's always happy, but he always, you know, 
and I get treats, you know. Um, I don't know. It's just one characteristic that I thought of. That's what came to mind because it's always in the in the book somewhere along, you know, throughout every chapter, you know, whenever he gets rewarded, he gets a little treat. And it could be the tiniest of treat, but I don't know. Well, you know, and the, and the reason we connect with this, Cheryl, is because that's the way we think about people. When we talk about family members and friends, there's certain characteristics that stick out. You know, I might Mm -hmm. have a different accent. I know I have a different accent than Cheryl and other people on this call. You know, that's something you'll remember my voice. Maybe, you know, I have a different history. I might walk a different way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But there's certain characteristics that you remember about people. And part of our major task as an author, if we have a few characters in our story, we have to make them memorable, you know. And so you used a vehicle to be able to make that happen among these guide dogs. So that's a great example. And I think too, when you're looking at if some, when we're in the character, I'm talking about my children's book, that the characters, there's um, certain ones who you can say, I'm, I'm going to the one I wrote with a seventh grader. It was a surprise Sammy, it's your birthday and other dogs. Once the dogs were introduced, you, you, the reader is always able to tell which dog is talking even before I might say, because sometimes I may say, you know, somebody said, but for the most, sometimes with the dialogue, it's just going and you can tell Mm -hmm. by the tone in the voices of the one that's the bulldog and he's, you know, more relaxed and slow talking and then there's the little the little one that's just yapping and dancing and all over and the you know so you can tell when all of a sudden the bulldog is takes her arms and just pulls her down and looks her straight in the eye and tells her to to be quiet you know so um those kind of characters is building as when i introduce these other dogs introducing them and and their owners but the mainly the the dogs are the ones having the party the pool party and all that and and you can tell who's who just by building those characteristics and and building them throughout the story so what you're doing you're describing to me it's not just if you're listening to the audio you can tell the difference but you're introducing the dog's behavior before they're speaking. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're introducing their um, maybe very frenetic and active and jumping around, or one Mm -hmm. is very laid back and slow, et cetera. And so by the time the reader gets to the dialogue in their head, they're hearing the consistent voice and tone that you've painted the picture for them. Right. Yeah, because yeah. the other, the only one that's a guide dog is Sammy. But again, when they're at the party, the harness is off, and you can tell who's the shepherd, who's mm-hmm. the who's the little Dotson, who's this one, who's that one, you know, who's the beagle. You know, you can tell just by the way they're walking in, the the bark they make. So, yeah, then then I'll, I'm introducing their characteristics, and then once they're in dialogue, you can just follow along uh, pretty fluently, easily for the kids. These are so how do, books. how do other folks that are on the call introduce their characters to um, clue the reader into um, who it is that's speaking or who's being spoken about? What are the things that stand out? What do you use as your techniques? Calvin? 
Go ahead. Okay, so um, one of the things that I that, that 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 I want to, I guess, illustrate or portray in in the story. So, Alan Thomas actually went and and uh, uh, graduated from college. Uh, most of the people that work at the workshop, they did not go to college. So, like, but they, but 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 Alan Thomas can talk to them about like the things they like to talk about, but he can also get like real, real nerdy at the same time. So he, he, he can do like what we call code switching, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's real good at that. That's, that's one of the things that he kind of has to be good at because his, 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 his wife has like a graduate degree. So it's like he has one life at work and then he has a whole nother life when he comes home, you know? So that's one thing that he that's one of his traits. He's 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 good at code switching depending on the, the situation he's in. And how do you think you're going to demonstrate that skill at code switching? Uh, do you have any ideas? One one way is is just through his conversations with with other mm-hmm. people and, and, and his dialogue. Like he might he might. um be be talking about you know something real nerdy like books that he likes to read or 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 you know he he likes computers or or something like that but then in the in the next set of dialogue or whatever he he might he, he might bring a little slang to the table and uh, exactly yes. he might start talking like that yeah so you know so you're going to change his vote. It sounds like you're going to change his vocabulary based on the context. Sure. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. And many of us have to do that. You know, I was raised in a working class family. I went on to um, earn an advanced degree and become a professor. And yet I, I enjoy people of all sorts of educational backgrounds. And I have to be, you know, comfortable with switching my language for different environments that I'm right. in to be relevant and understood. Yep. And but capturing that in the written word, that's not easy to do. We learn to do that. We internalize that over the years. But um, you're going to be have to be very skillful tracking that and capturing that. And it'll be fabulous to be able to read that. The reader will enjoy it. Right, right. That's a great piece to include, that code switching skill set. Anybody else that would like to share about this topic of how you um, bring your characters to life with unique traits, what you find is helpful, important, what your readers respond to? So I think um, we need to, you know, interior, what I, uh, comes to mind is when you, whether you're writing, and this is in, in nonfiction as well, because whether when you're writing a memoir or, uh, like for me, I, what came to mind, I just, you know, I, again, my subtitle is still semi not sure, but when did I become a doormat? Awakening the self-confidence within or something like that. I don't know. But each time I'm talking about someone, or I think once the people are introduced, um, 
there's going to be some dialogue in there and there's going to be some situations, but I want to be able to write as I'm writing, not continually name the person as if it's all that person's fault, but being able to get into that mindset of the positive yet uh, reflecting on how I got to where I was, if that, if I just made sense. <laughs> yes, it, it does make sense. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it's not easy to do that when you're writing um, nonfiction. Yeah. You're, going, you're going to have to use different vehicles to make that happen. Do we have some other raised hands there, Deborah? Not at this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see them on my phone. Maybe they some reason they're just not catching up on my phone. No, uh, people. Okay. Oh, Carla, Carla, there's Carla. Yay. Yeah, I keep on losing my focus with Jaws. Oh. Something's happening here. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, this story that I'm working on with the little glass figurine and this visually impaired woman is a work in progress. And I've, I've really had some problems with it. But as far as um, the, the characteristics, I'm using, for example, the little figurine, and she has a chipped foot and the piece ends up inside of the, the figure um, as a symbol of this woman. And the woman is losing her sight. You know how you, when you've had, uh, you can see light and dark and you can see figures and look in the mirror and actually see something. And then all of a sudden, well, gradually it goes away. She's in the process of the coming and going stage. Okay. So she doesn't see that um, what's going to happen in this story is she's going to run into um, another, an older version, another version of herself who's Mm going to guide her on this search. And oh wow! Part of it is this little statue. She's gonna get, uh, you know, towards the end of the story when she goes back to finish dusting, um, the it's not going to rattle anymore, and the chip's going to be gone. So she's going to be led through this quest. It's one of these quest stories, and it's sort of got a science fiction, and it's called mm-hmm. Through the the Crawl Space. And unfortunately, it's very autobiographical. Um, I'm in my childhood house alone. Okay, when I was a little girl, there was there's this crawl space between or behind the bookcase, and I used to crawl in there and pretend like it was a cave and play in there. And now she's spring cleaning as an adult, and there's you know some some mildew, and she gets this stuff um, to clean out the call, the crawl space, and so she goes in there, and all of a sudden. Um, you know, when she's cleaning it and wiping away the mildew, um, um, the, the crawl space gets very big and um, all of a sudden she shrinks. That's why it gets big. And she goes back to her childhood and she's able to crawl out the other side of the wall into the unfinished part of the basement that was finished. And she goes through these different parts of her life and this ultra ego or this other woman that's inside the, you know, that's her in the, the statue and all this is going to lead her through a series of events with confronting her past and um, different things that she's going to confront and it's going to help to to mend whatever's inside of her. She's going to, you know what I'm trying to say? She's absolutely. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, um, so the statue becomes a symbol and like, um, you know, the, 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 I'm not going to try to monopolize this at all, but one of the early scenes is she comes out of the crawl space and all of a sudden she's in her unfinished basement and it's, and she's a little child of five and she's on a hobby horse. And this woman who's an older version of herself comes up and says, you enjoy this hobby horse, don't you? And she says, when you get older, you're going to have something else that's going to take the place of this hobby horse. It's going to let you rock and comfort yourself and relax. And all of a sudden, she um, she um, ends up in the present day basement in her um, recliner, which is one of these lazy boys that also has a rocker on it. And so there's going to be things like that back and forth, you know, from her childhood, she'll go back in the crawl space, and then she'll end up in the other room in 1967. And she always wanted to save her childhood pre primers, you know, from school that she got with the little stars on. So she tries to take them back with her into the crawl space. But then when she comes back in her present day world, um, the bookcase where the it's built into the wall, um, it, you know, the crawl space is behind this bookcase, it is turned inside out. And all the things that she had from her present day life are not there anymore. And all there is, is these inside out bookcases. And this woman explains, you can't bring things back from the past with you, you have to return those primers back to 1960. And, you know, just little lessons like that. And it's going to proceed through. And at the beginning of the story, she can't see herself in the mirror, because she's lost that much of the vision. Well, at the end, the um, statue, um, as I said, the little chip goes away, and it stops rattling, and she goes up to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, she can see this figure of herself. And it looks like this woman, and it looks like the statue. And you know what I mean? So it's a series mm -hmm. of things that, you know, she's mended through this process. Mm -hmm. And so, so Carla, what, what I hear you talking about here are several things that you're addressing. The next point that I was getting to is um, <laughs> also how do you weave the traits of your character into the story? And what you're describing to us is that you're using a metaphor you're using not only the statue as a metaphor of the broken self and the healing self, but also the <clears throat> physical journey that this woman is going to go through in a flashback and a fantasy journey to represent the journey that she has to experience herself. And the lessons that she has to learn along the way are demonstrated in lessons that play out for the reader to experience with the woman in the story. And so you're using several different vehicles in your story to demonstrate the traits, the challengers, the character art for your readers. Does that, does that sound right? Yes. And she goes in and out of that crawl space several times. And, it, and the story is called Through the Crawl Space. And, um, Excellent. So that, that's your, that's your major vehicle then in this particular story. That becomes your major vehicle. That's yes. very ingenious. Yeah. Um, she said, do you think it has some potential? Because I've been really coming up short with some of the things in it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm finding it therapeutic to write it because I have some things I'm trying to heal from the past. You know what I'm trying to say? So well, this, br this um, brings up another point, um, Carla. And I'm glad you mentioned that because um, and I I do have experience as an editor for a book publisher, and in addition to writing books and stories myself, and um, 
while we might write it ourselves and edit it and write it from our own experience and, and need, etc., when we submit it to somebody else, even a colleague, for their perspective of it and engage in dialogue, it might morph, um, generate additional ideas that will make it even more helpful to a general reading public. So yes. go ahead. I would suggest that you go ahead and work on it from where you are now. Let it be therapeutic. Let it be helpful for you. Then mm -hmm. give it to a couple of colleagues, some who are authors, some who would represent your reading audience in the future, and get their feedback on it and see where that takes you in continuing the development of it. Okay. And I, I did discover, and I'll, then I'll let up because other people need to talk, but I discovered something really interesting at first, I was doing it. I, I tried point of view experiments on it with passages from it. I tried first person, then I tried third. But then just for the fun of it, very rarely do you see something written in the second person. I wrote it in the second person. And that made it haunting. It made it very, you know, powerful. You know, you saying you did this and you did that. And it, it sort of gave a whole different depth to the thing and it may be where it ends up i'm not sure yet but i just wanted to share that with you because that is that, really that's helpful. very helpful that's very mm -hmm. helpful too carla because you're demonstrating again another technique that authors get to select from in order to convey the mood the intent the experience of their characters and their story we have so many different techniques available to us to make choices and you went through a process of trying different ones to see what was going to fit. And that's many times what we have to do. Thank you for those examples. Well, you're quite welcome. And thank you for your feedback. Deanna. Mm. Well, since my piece is supposed to be a performance piece, I will use different voices for myself and for the puppy when I speak for her. And I have also changed the language a little bit. She uses um, more childlike language because mm. a guide dog is very bright, but it's sometimes like having a very smart toddler assisting mm. you because mm. they're impulsive, they are playful, mm. they, um, but they do think they think it through and try to come up with solutions. So some of that she'll be talking about what she's done in the past, what's happening now, um, about the changes she's making to, to be useful, um, you know, um, but it will be in a, in a childlike voice. So, and I will speak more rapidly and um, because she's very energetic. Um, so, um, for example, when I have myself introducing her, I'll say something like, and here she is. Yeah, um, hello, young lady. What is your name? Yes, you in the dog suit. Oh, I didn't know you talk were talking about me because <laughs> I heard you say canine and K is for kitty and nine. I didn't even see one kitty. <laughs> you know, so, that was great. <laughs> you know, so she's going to be very bouncy and, and all over the map because oftentimes guide dogs are a little bit like they, that, but they also think 
hard and try to figure out and interpret what's going on. Like there's another passage where she excuses herself because she sees where her owner has dropped some cheese and crackers from her lunch on the rug and she has to go clean it up because she doesn't want her to grind the cheese into the carpet. And so I'll ask her, well, won't you get into trouble for eating things off the floor? And so then the little dog will pause and say, well, um, if I just dive for it, she'll notice and put that nasty gentle leader on my nose. But if I just go over here and lie down quietly like a good girl <laughs> and stretch my neck out, I can get it. No problem. <laughs> you know, so, so you're Diana, you're you're embedding not only in those voices and you're bringing up something about audiobooks for us, too. Thank you. But you're embedding in the dialogue um, characteristics and personality of your um, different characters. So we have a very crafty, sneaky, little gentle puppy there um, who's well, coming off are. very sweet, <laughs> but very, very crafty and wily, right? Yeah. Well, um, a friend of mine just posted very- that she um, was having someone come and do a repair in her apartment. And she has a retired guard dog, guide dog, and she has a, a brand new young guide dog. So she put the older dog in the bathroom and went to work on her computer until the repairman showed up. And the next thing she knew, her retired dog was bouncing up into her lap going, ha, here I am. And so she went and put her back in the bathroom and she sat down and she said she was paying attention. And this time she was able to observe her new guide dog quietly get up and tiptoe over and use his nose to push the handle down to release the old dog from the bathroom. (laughs) So they do think, you know. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. But my point is, is that you're embedding, um, you're communicating with the reader mm -hmm. about the personality of those dogs in the word choice that you're making and in the behaviors of those characters as well. And so you're weaving in that personality, those characteristics into the word choice and into the behaviors. And so it's very skillfully done. You're also bringing up an important point. As people in the low vision community and people in the blind community, um, we are hoping and we intend that our books are going to be available in audio form. And you're Mm -hmm. doing a performance piece. So you're writing for um, audio. And so we're writing with two things in mind. And I just recently listened to History of the Talking Books that's available on BARD. It's very intriguing to listen to as an author. And when we write as authors who are cited, we're thinking of the printed word and people um, imagining the scenes and using their minds, etc. But more and more in mainstream culture, people are listening to audiobooks. And so, one, we're dependent on the narrator. And two, our words are no longer just going to the imagination, but being filtered through a voice who's also communicating. Um, And so, there's many more dimensions. And I think this would be a fabulous discussion in the future for us as authors to talk about our books in written text and also as audio books. And how do we prepare for that in what we're writing and 
as people with visual impairments, are we writing for one audience or the other, both, mm -hmm. etc.? And, and do people um, have any the, ideas about that? I I do, Kathy. That when we're when I'm writing and I'm editing and I'm also reading a lot now. On you know, I have Kindle Unlimited. I love it. And there's certain voices that do better on my phone or iPad than others. And I, I got to I gotta double check, but I'm pretty sure it's Nikki. And the voices read better than some of the narrators. We, as <laughs> when, when we are independent publishers of Audible books, we get to choose our narrators a lot of times. But some of the other authors I learned when I was speaking with Christina Dodd once, she writes historical fiction, historical romance. And she was telling me, because I told her there was a book that I, I loved her books, but I could, no matter if I speeded it up or I slowed it down, I just couldn't get into the book. The narrator, just whatever the voice was, it was annoying to me. However, I was able to finally listen to it on a Kindle book. But the, the, the knowing how we write, and when I listen to the narration via even as a print book, it I want it to flow and the dialogue to flow. And that's where we can have that discussion too about punctuation. As yes. authors, we may not be putting our punctuation as quote, you're, you're taught to do because you want your dialogue to flow like we would in our conversation that there may not always be a comma after certain things because that's just not going to make it sound properly, you know? So, um, yeah, there's different, so many different ways we can go with this and, and focus in on uh, sharing about, and we, I've done that with dialogue, but I think it needs to be more in depth because even that the time I did uh, one on dialogue, some people got it, some didn't. So uh, yeah. Thank you. And I think that um, uh, you brought up a good point. I did contact my publisher this week, and I knew this, but I had forgotten all of the books I've published with Information Age Publishing. And I know my Wiley book, Josie Bass, are available in Kindle format. Well, in mm -hmm. Kindle format, you can pick your narrator, you know, the voice that mm -hmm. you want to use. But that's mm -hmm. very different than having a professional narrator dramatize, as it were, yes. what you're listening mm -hmm. to. Yeah. And so if you're writing for one versus the other, that's different, too. So I think this is a whole mm -hmm. different topic that we could investigate um, in the future. But do you um, think so? Do you think so? Do you now? I mean, are we an abridged? Ver yeah, we'll get into it again. I, I guess we don't want to get off on that today. But I don't know. I think it depends. I have two narrators who did my my first Cindy and Sammy book. And the first one, I trashed it. And the second one, he narrated the rest of my book. So I don't know. You and I can have that discussion prior to yeah. when we have it. <laughs> yep. Do, exactly. a, do a session on it. But Thank I you. Think, <laughs> I think that um, Deanna, I think it was Deanna um, yes. talking about the performance piece, introduced this, yeah. that yeah. Uh, as authors, we're not just writing for people to read silently in their minds right? Yeah. Um, via whatever format, but um, now we're writing for people to listen um, mm -hmm. to our books as well. And that's mm -hmm. very different. And we have to be mindful of that. How do we uh, address that, et cetera? Mm -hmm. um, 
So getting back to talking about the character traits, a couple, I wanted to mention a couple of things in here. And that is that, you know, you can weave, people on this call have introduced such fabulous creative ways of weaving their character traits into their stories and personalities of their characters. Some of the others, think about the books you've read um, in the action and the scene, what's displayed, um, the character traits can be rolled in. Narration, um, so the narrator um, can be mentioning different things that are happening and preparing the reader and um, talking about, um, like in this Patrick Taylor novel, um, they describe this little boy, Colin, and almost every other, I think about every other description of him, his, one of his socks is at half mast. So one of his socks is falling down all the time. He's a little boy, you know, and then that's always in the description. And it's so visual, you know, you can see it in your mind's eye. Um, it might be daydreams or thoughts, um, kind of like our friend was talking about that flashback and journey that her people are taking. Um, and it could be that um, characteristics of your character, traits, behaviors might be recounted by another person in the story as they're observing, as they're describing your character. And they, the person themselves might be reflecting on their behavior or thinking about how they're viewed by others or what they wish was different or what they think is their strength. These are all different, just a sampling, a simple sampling of some of the different ways that we use to embed these important pieces to flesh out our characters and make them vibrant and real to our readers to truly make them memorable. And the value of um, cons consistently developing that so that our readers can tell one from the other. Really important in our writing that we do that well. Um, one of the things I was hoping to do, I don't think we'll have time for today, but I want you to think about if you were playing trivia and we know on ACB calls, people love game night and playing trivia, right? If you were playing trivia as your character, if it's a guide dog, or if it's in my case, the astronaut, or if it's the young man that's having to reinvent his career and you were the character and playing trivia, how many questions would you be able to answer about your quote self? Okay, so let me fire off a couple of questions and just jot down, see if you can answer some of these for your character. Imagine you're in a trivia game. What is your birthplace? What's your occupation? What was your favorite pet? What was your worst vacation? Who is your favorite neighbor? What was your least favorite hairstyle? That's a tough one. What is your favorite place to eat? And how about this one? What's your biggest secret? Now, certainly you might not have opportunities to use these things in the story you're writing but it's an exercise to think about how well do you know your characters and um, fleshing them out in fun ways to see what they're like and maybe where they lead you. 
Anybody have ideas on those trivia questions? We just have a couple of moments here that they want to share. Nobody at this point. Okay. Um, with to, I just want to step in, Kathy, that to remind people that not only with your main character, you could make a chart with each one of your characters, and and your it's. And then if you are writing fiction and you want to go into a series, just think about where you can go with it as you develop your characters and writing these traits down for each character in the book and how they can be at. Maybe they're not in the first story, but they come into the second story or you know, there's uh, you know, just something to, to plan ahead, too. So even if it's not right in the beginning, you think, oh, well, maybe this characteristic will be good for some another somebody else in another story or just introduce them at the end. So then you can go into your second book or third book, et cetera. Now, now, wait a minute. Is this the answer that's saying this? <laughs> Ta-da! There's a little bit of both in there. There's a little bit of organization in there. My brain is always thinking. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> so those that don't know, maybe on the call or on the podcast, a plotter is somebody that loves to organize things as they write, and that would be me. And a pantser flies by the seat of their pants, and that would more likely be Cheryl. And um that's why we're a great we team. To figure out another way of saying that because there's gotta, I, I think we're just going to call a pantser a free spirit who's, who's creative. You, <laughs> you know, I just, I'm a creative who just explodes sometimes. You know, my brain just. <laughs> so. Carla has okay. her hand up. So, um, Carla has one. her hand. Yeah, yeah. Carla. Yes, and I, I, and I would add to that list about trivia questions. What kind of music does your character listen to? Oh, like? great! Because music, sometimes yeah. music, especially popular music of a particular time, um, becomes a um, a soundtrack to people's lives. It becomes defining, um, you know, aspects of their lives. And it could um, invite a lot more symbolism in, you know what I mean? There, there might be something that's embedded in a song lyric or something that, that can become very, um, you know, symbolic. Um, it can um, really state something important about that character. Absolutely. The series I'm listening to now uses it very much so. Thank you. Any other hands? Any other people that want to contribute? We just have a few minutes left. We can move on to our, if there's no other hands, we can move on to our resources um, section. And I had a few. Um, story planner help sheets. This was a great um, site that I found that had some materials related to what we're talking about. And it's www.storyplanner.com slash helper. And then Writer's Digest. I don't know if everybody's familiar with that, but this is um, a site that has workshops, contests, announcements, resources, and that's writersdigest.com. And then we were talking about um, name generators last week and here's one it's a unique name generator and we'll post it in the show notes but it's blog.reedsy.com slash character dash name dash generator 
unique name generator. And another writing community is Writers Helping Writers. And that's writinghelpingwriters.net. And if you want to hear your um, work read aloud, um, many of us use programs that will do that, and JAWS certainly. But there's also a couple of apps I've been hearing people talk about, um, Total Reader and Natural Reader that do text-to-speech. So you can hear it read aloud. And um, you can also record, record an audio of your work through that. So you might be able to listen to it later to think about it. And those were a few that I wanted to share with folks that are um, related to what we've been talking about. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, yeah, and thanks, everybody. We have so many great ideas, and it's wonderful having Kathy, Dr. Kathy King with us now. And for those of you who don't know her, she has a background in adult education. She's a retired professor from Fordham and has quite an extensive background. She's written many books and, and manuals. Uh, we're excited that to know that a lot of her stuff is up on Amazon. And the more information we have about that, I'll be, we'll be posting that for you too. Um, this is very exciting. We have so many new things. So thanks everybody for being here with us today. Thank you for joining us today at Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to be with you. Tap or click on that button that says subscribe so that you won't miss a show. There's also a link right there for you to tap or click on that'll take you directly to the show notes where you'll find all the information we talked about today along with references and links to sites that will enhance your writing skills. You can reach us at our website www.writing-wonders.pinecast.co Our email is writingworkspodcast at gmail.com we hope that you feel inspired and encouraged. Our goal is to help you see and feel the wonder in writing. Keep writing, our friends. We believe in you. And we look forward to being with you again soon.